Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Welcome, everybody, to worship today. We are glad that you're here. And if you're visiting with us, we'd especially like to welcome you and invite you to fill out a communication card, which looks like what's on the screen. And then you can just place it in the offering plate later um, so we have a record of your visit. Uh, We are glad that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, A few announcements for the life of the congregation. Today is a Connections Cafe. Um, It's happening today in the Fellowship Hall. So be sure to come in after worship and uh, have a snack and meet and greet and get to know other uh, parishioners, uh, friends, and visitors. It's just a great way to connect. Our next one will actually be August 12th, and believe it or not, it will be in celebration of Pastor Alice returning from her sabbatical. So boy, does time fly, doesn't it? It really flies. So good news. Uh, First Lutheran is at it again. And they invite you to celebrate with them the kickoff of the renovation work in the gallery area at their uh, church downtown and over the Rhine. The celebration is next Sunday, July 29th. Uh, They're at their 11 a.m. service. The Cincy Summer Chorale Singers will enliven the worship experience. At 12 noon, there's a meal in their lower level. A short program at 1 p.m. in the sanctuary, and then they'll have an open house that ends at 2 p.m. More details are in, life, in our life, so please uh, take a look at those. Uh, we continue with Walk, Talk, and Pray on Wednesday mornings. And so this Wednesday morning, July 25th, I invite you to join with me as well as other uh, people from Good Shepherd at Summit Park in Blue Ash. Uh, we begin at 8 a.m. We walk for about an hour. And this, uh, this week, at the end of our walk, if you would like, some of us are going to climb the new observation tower at Blue Ash uh, at Summit Park and see how far we can see. Uh, we aren't going to climb it fast. We're just going to climb it. So please join us on uh, Wednesday. And then finally, our Taft Elementary classes need school supplies to get off to a successful start for the school year. Please check our life for an updated list of the most needed supplies and put them in the collection bin, which is out there on the tile part of the lobby by August 6th. So those are all my our announcements. Uh, would we, we begin worship? Good morning. The first reading comes from Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, For they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather them together, the remnant of my flock, from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own she- she- excuse me I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number 
Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. Here ends the first reading. The second reading is from Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his, and his apostles did not even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret, and they brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched 
were, him were healed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. According to USA Today, January 2018, there is a wildfire raging and it's wiping out people all over the USA. Did you know that more than 175 Americans will die today due to the drug overdose brought on by the opioid crisis? And did you know that the daily death toll from these drug overdoses is like a 737 crashing and killing all the passengers on board. And if a plane crash happened like that day after day after day, I think we would shut down the skies until we would figure out how to solve that problem, wouldn't we? But it's not a plane crash. It's this American opioid epidemic one that, if it's left unchecked, researchers and investigators estimate could claim one million people by 2020. Mike Moore is the Mississippi's attorney general, and he championed the litigation against the tobacco companies, and he is now involved in litigation against the opioid makers. And he says, This is really a national emergency, and the problem is we're not acting like it is. And there's suggested solutions for this crisis, and they run a gamut. One from gathering all the key players together and trying to figure out how to address it. Um, Also, utilizing the recovering addicts to fight the problem, because there's a lot of people who know what this opioid um, addiction is like. But when we think about it, it's truly exhausting to think about all the work that needs to be done to resolve this crisis in the U.S. It is not going to be an easy thing, and it's going to take work day after day after day. Well, Jesus and his disciples certainly know what it's felt like to face intense and seemingly intractable human need like our drug crisis. In the gospel lesson, we're told that they are out traveling about the countryside and people keep coming to them and so they're casting out demons and they're healing people and they do it day after day. And it's so so hard work or the work is so hard and so intense that they can't even find a chance to get a bite to eat. So what does Jesus say? He says, well, we we need to slow down. And he says to the apostles, come on, hop in the boat with me and let us go to a deserted place so we can rest for a while, so we can recuperate for a while. Well, as I read today's gospel lesson, it was that verse number 31 that got my attention. And Jesus said to them, come away to that deserted place all by yourselves and we will rest for a while. And it sounds quite wonderful to me that that would be the invitation that Jesus would extend. Rest, if you think, is is getting away from the hustle and bustle. It's getting away from those healings and the casting out of demons. Not that that stuff isn't important, but it's taking some time away. Rest is that chance to be renewed, to be restored, to stop and slow down. 
and rest is a beautiful word. There is so much packed into Jesus' simple invitation. And perhaps when you heard those words, that invitation, it was music to your ears. Because maybe you are like me and you thought, hey, that's not a bad idea just to slow down for a little bit of time. And I think it sounds good because we live very active lives. And I hear about what you all are doing all the time. And they're filled, our lives are filled with activities. And we take time for relationships, and we have work we have to do, and we have obligations. So that very idea of, of, of resting can be exciting to think about. We enjoy the lives we lead, but they are hectic at times, and they're filled to the brim. And here's the issue, I think. Like the disciples, I think sometimes I've forgotten how to rest, and maybe you have too. And that's what I suspect. I'm not alone in that, that I've forgotten how to rest. In fact, maybe you're like me, that when I have downtime, I sometimes feel a little guilty. When I have a Saturday off when I don't have to go do anything at church, or I really don't have anything planned at all, I feel a little guilty. And that happens to me over the summer months, especially when the ministry and work schedule here at Good Shepherd just seems to slow down a bit. We don't have as many evening meetings, etc. And so I find my little, myself a little uncomfortable <clears throat> thinking that the time police are going to show up and accuse me of being un- unproductive since I'm not as busy as I think I should be. But you know, my downtime this summer, what I've done, I've been able to read three books just for the fun of it. Not because I have to, not because it applies to ministry, but just for the fun of it. And you know what? I estimate I'll read two more by the end of the summer, and that sounds pretty good to me. I try to keep up with the reading list the uh, literature and faith group has, and I don't always get it done. Well, there was a study done at UCLA, and the study observed the typical week uh, 20 or 32 middle-class families in Los Angeles had. And the idea of the study was simply to take a snapshot of their life at the beginning of this 21st century. And the results, according to one researcher, were rather disheartening. So consumed were these families with working and collecting and amassing and generally getting ahead, they actually spent very little time together at all. They were doing all that other stuff and they weren't together. The uh, lead um, author was a professor, professor of anthropology at UCLA and she said that she had a particular dismay at the fact that, that the family members spent very little time outside. <clears throat> Something like 50 of the 64 parents in the study never stepped outside in the course of a week. Now there is a reason for that. It's because they worked from home. But because they worked from home, they never went outside. And if they had leisure time, they would be in front of a television or a computer. They never stepped outside to just see the wonderful world in which we lived. They did not have time, in other words, to rest. I think many of us here are probably uh, familiar with this third commandment. 
You know, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we often interpret that commandment in the assumption that the Sabbath means going to church. And certainly, that is one dimension of it. However, there is an Old Testament scholar named Rolf Rolf Jacobson, and he points out that this commandment would have been unbelievably good news to those who had recently been slaves, whose time had never been their own, and who had never been guaranteed a period of rest at all. So here's what Jacobson imagines them saying upon the third commandment being read to them by Moses. They would have said, you mean we get to rest? You mean we have to rest? You mean we get a day off? Glory, hallelujah, and praise God. It would have been unimaginable to them that they would be commanded to take a day off and simply rest and be renewed. Well, I have this hunch that more and more of us find ourselves in a place of kind of that kind of um, enslavement. We maybe aren't enslaved literally, but sometimes we can be figuratively. And sometimes when we have this self-imposed slavery, it can be difficult for us to detect or overcome. We can be enslaved to the notion that we have to succeed, So we put more and more work on our shoulders and we never take time off. And maybe you're one of those people. I know I can be guilty of not taking all of my vacation time. And we can be enslaved to the notion that our children have to have every opportunity possible and their lives can get so busy that we feel like we're just running, running, running. And we can be enslaved to the belief that the only thing that will bring contentment is more. And that might be more money, uh, more house, more of a house, more things to put on our resume, or more things in our closets. And I think we can even be enslaved to this idea that we have to keep adding more and more to our ministry plates so we can save the world for the sake of God's kingdom and not leave the, the salvation up to God. And this levels of wanting and working, quite frankly, don't permit much time for anything but doing more and more. And when you think about that, are you all exhausted? Because I think I am when I look at that, I'm exhausted. So in light of all that, listen again to Jesus' simple invitation. He says, come away with me to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. This is not just an invitation to take an afternoon off or go on vacation. Maybe that would be part of it. But this is an invitation to loosen all our shackles, all the shoulds we put on ourselves, all that other stuff we put on ourselves, and climb out of those cages which we have constructed and just simply rest for a while. We read Psalm 23 just a few minutes ago, and someone described that as the ah psalm. Can you hear that? Just that relaxation, ah psalm. And that opening verse of Psalm 23 is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the first part of that verse, which that wonderful imagery makes no sense without the second half of the verse, which is, I shall not want. 
because I trust God for my good, I shall not cave in to, the, to all those cultural expectations. Because I trust God has promised to take care of me, I will get off the treadmill of work and ministry and take a rest every once in a while and then notice the abundance that God has given to me and the world and rejoice in that. And that is a wonderful thing that we have been given. And I think that's the key thing about Sabbath rest. It invites us uh, to uh, a chance to, to step back and stand apart from all those things that usually drive and consume us so that we can detect God's presence and his providence and his blessing and experience a sense of contentment like, yes, all is well, and give thanks for that in our lives. But I know it's hard to do. And no wonder the psalmist quite honestly says that the Lord simply doesn't invite me to rest, but rather confesses, God makes me lie down in green pasture. God makes me lie down in green pasture, the psalmist says. And do you hear the grace in that, that God says, yes, rest. You know, take, take time just to be. And then it says, he leads me beside still water. There is grace in that, uh, in that too. And then he says, he restores my soul. There is grace once again. We are a people who desperately need rest, and yet at times we resist it. And so the Lord commands us and invites us to come away to rest and be restored. And that restoration, what does it give us? It gives us back our lives that God has intended for us, and that brings us peace. The gospel text also reminds us of one more thing. It reminds us that we cannot do this on our loan, alone. When the disciples retreat with Jesus, who do they go with? They go with Jesus, and he's their shepherd. They take time out of, of what they're doing, and they're with their teacher. That doing one's work that we've been called to do requires one's personal connection to Jesus. And that personal connection requires deliberate acts of cultivating fellowship with Jesus, quite apart from the ministry itself. We want to get to know Jesus so we can do God's work in the world. We want to get to know what Jesus is about so we can be out there serving him. <clears throat> There's a theologian named Richard War, and he reminds us that Christians are always called to be contemplative as well as active. And so you are contemplative when you go off and you're with God and you listen for God and you're, and you're kind of dwelling with God in a place where God can speak to you. Maybe that's through scripture and prayer and other things. But you take that time off and then that leads you to activity. Those two things always go together. And Jesus is reinforcing that idea when he calls to his disciples to come away and rest for a while. And then this connection to Jesus brings the disciples and really us full circle again as we're empowered to share the good news of God again in tangible ways. This connection to Jesus touches them as well as us deeply and inspires us then to go and love as God has loved. 
And did you notice at the end of that text, when the crowd arrives and abruptly ends their retreat that they're on, the disciples and Jesus turn outward again, and they have compassion for them and their needs. It's like they are able and willing to respond once again to what is going on around them. The cycle of ministry is empowered by rest, and it's empowered by Jesus' love and care for us, his disciples. And then it starts all over again for the next group of people to come to Jesus and the disciples with their needs, and those needs are met. So here's the invitation that I think this particular passage is extending to us today. It's extending us this invitation to rest in God's care and love and then go and serve, extending that compassion that Jesus has for all people. And I'm inviting you to take some time today to rest. And maybe do that every day this week. Take even just 10 minutes, a half an hour, and just rest in God's love and care. And as you you do that, then you will be able to live and love as Jesus did. I'm inviting you to rest in God's care and to share that love then with all the world. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.